0: All right. So welcome to the uh, first experimental edition of the community podcast of Games Industrial Summit. The goal of the podcast is to introduce you to uh, attendees before you have met them or to uh, give you a chance to catch up with them if you've known them before but haven't seen them uh, for a while. And today with me from Nicosia, which is in lockdown, is Raman Zanin, the General Counselor for Gaming. Raman guys and ryan black from dla piper in vancouver canada hello there
1: and you guys like vancouver is still not on lockdown or is it uh there's a public emergency here in bc and so it's on uh close to a lockdown uh the borders are shut down and everyone's encouraged to work from home and nightclubs and bars are closed so yeah it's uh it's fairly, uh, it's not quite locked down, but it's uh, fairly close for a North American place.
0: Okay, but, but I mean like people still go out to to, to coffee shops or, or not really?
1: Uh, most coffee shops are closed. It's, it's, v- it's still very um, kind of community oriented in the sense that there's not people like enforcing a lockdown. It's just kind of social distancing right now. So we're hoping there will be a serious reaction soon.
0: Okay, so soft, soft lockdown. And in Cyprus, in Nicosia, Roman, you guys are locked down, or like, can you go out for a walk, or or you just don't want to go out?
2: Still, we can go out, Uh, no lockdown officially. Uh, As far as we know, uh, government is considering locking us down, but actually, yeah, uh, a lot of restaurants, coffee shops closed, and uh, it's a very big thing in Cyprus to have coffee shop closed. Believe me. It's actually a new way of living when you don't have your coffee shop open.
0: Okay, okay. So it's voluntarily, it's not yet the must.
2: Yeah, it is voluntarily. A lot of people uh, understood the problem, the issue, and trying to follow government uh, requests. Uh, Yeah, everyone working uh, remotely, some offices, some small offices still actually open, allowing people to to come in and work uh, inside and uh, in other areas like uh, supermarkets uh, and malls. Malls are closed, but actually supermarkets are open, but social distancing and uh, all these things are very noticeable right now.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So sounds like you're on the right path, but uh, we'll see how long it goes. We have the same situation here. Everyone's encouraged to work from home. Uh, the restaurants cannot be open. Uh, all the shops must be closed except for uh, food shops. And uh, there's a discussion whether or not they should open bike shops. This is the season. So, uh, you know, having no bike shop is uh, not good. Uh, all right. So, so let's go over the background. So the people get to know you, um, Roman and, and Ryan, like, do you guys Care about your education at this point? Both of you are in the business for a long time, so do do, do like people actually want to know where did you go to school? Does it matter?
1: Um, I find for me, um, you know, my background is is mixed between business and uh, computer science, and so it's interesting and useful to some people. But I wouldn't say it's you know something I daily think about or critical. It kind of lets me speak the language a little bit. I can read a financial statement. I can, you know. I understand what open source software is and dynamically compiled libraries and stuff like that so uh, it you know it helps me speak the lingo but I don't know that it's really bled that much into the actual law I practice
0: oh okay so what you mean is that your non-legal education uh, is is giving you an edge but yeah uh, a little bit have you had any 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 clients ever who would be encouraged by seeing that you went to this specific law school or...
1: Oh, for law school? <laughs> no, not in Canada. So in Canada, we have very few law schools. We have, uh, you know, we have uh, close to or under 20 law schools, and they're all pretty reputable. Um, no one really cares about that here. We don't have tiers like they do in, uh, in the United States.
0: Okay, so you're closer to Germany, where basically they aim to... Have every school do well and so you don't really have the the top and the bottom but you have more or less everything and roman did, did anyone ever ask you maybe at the job interview when you got hired to wargaming did, did people ask or like did give you did they give you
2: bonus points for your education there's enough they didn't ask actually yeah for wargaming yeah, seven years ago, no one asked me. Uh, but actually, when I started my career, of course it was kind of important, but it was a, in different world, let's say, yeah. And right. right now I think it's not so, it's not first, uh, let's say, first importance. yeah. Uh, as a process of ongoing education and all of that, yeah, you're usually trying to understand whether a person is trying to, you know, you know, learn new things and get education, can, uh, continuing education, but actually, if you ask me whether we hire based on a particular law school or something, uh, not at all. We're just looking at the person his interest in a, or her interest in a video games yeah, and uh, the way how that person thinks.
0: Okay, so it doesn't really matter. All right. Because I'm seeing quite a lot of people, uh, mostly from Germany though, uh, that have doctors and PhDs in, in writing their email names. Yeah, and sometimes they explain where the uh, LLM came from. So, uh, okay. So, so, and 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 and
1: uh, Ryan, when you hire juniors to to your law firm, do you do you care,
0: or or is it like you graduated?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, for for, for Canadian law schools, we're actually we have quite a broad representation of law schools in our various offices. So, um, like in my office in Vancouver uh there's folks from you know other law schools across the country there's folks from university of british columbia and thompson rivers university which is a smaller one in the interior um so again you know it we, we're kind of looking a little bit more for the full for the full package uh, certainly when it comes to um coming from uh, an outside country uh canada still has a very restrictive legal market uh very uh dare I say, monopolistic a little bit in the sense that um, it can be quite onerous for people outside of the country to practice law in Canada. And so as a result, uh, where you went to school and, and what courses they had and what courses they didn't have may matter because we find that sometimes people just decide to go back to law school when they come to Canada as opposed to deal with all the accreditation
0: okay okay sounds good so so uh, the takeaway here is basically that people shouldn't really sweat that much about whether or not theory law school it's uh, top tier as long as they graduate as long as they uh, have a additional experience outside of that and as long as they understand the medium they understand the industry and they can uh, talk to you uh
1: yeah my, my i mean my view of of it is you know Ultimately, the goal of going to law school, if you want to practice law, is to get called to a bar get, to, to, get you know, to be able to practice law. And once you pass that hurdle, that's the really hard part. And then from there, it's about putting together the experience of the package so that you can, you know, demonstrate your bona fides in the industry and demonstrate that you're, you know, a lateral thinker and practical and all those sorts of things that, that companies like to see. Um, uh, I don't know that I've ever really cared that much about, uh, about the law school.
0: Cool, cool. So Roman, you're you're uh, the GC, you're the General Counsel, but your title is not General Counsel.
2: How does that happen? I also have a tax and compliance in my title. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Um, For my legal career, it's a good thing. I consider that being good uh, referring to what ryan said yeah uh, told Yeah, it's actually something which complementary to legal career to legal knowledge yeah if you start understanding compliance environment uh, let's say uh, or actually tax landscape yeah and all those regulation in tax here it's really giving you additional uh you know like a perspectives and uh, i consider that being a good thing but people might actually You know, take different uh, views and uh, tactics in respect of their career. Someone might uh, want to specialize on something particular.
0: Yeah, someone might look at you and say, "Well, this is the guy who doesn't really spend 100% of his time on legal, but also does this tax and compliance." And does it really matter to me? Like, if you're you know if you're looking to change jobs and the new studio will look at you and say oh we don't care about tax and compliance or maybe they do i don't know
2: it's <laughs> true uh, it's a it's a, a complementary as i said yeah and it uh, allows you also to look at any legal uh, things from a tax perspective, yeah, that, that, that that's very interesting. Really, like
0: you're not you're not joking, right? Like tax is interesting. Oh uh,
2: yeah, the, it 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 might be interesting, especially while structuring uh, M and for example. Yeah, opening studios, and they are actually advising on uh, intellectual property-related matters. You're actually uh, buying a studio in yeah Sweden. Yeah. Uh, yes. Even if you are not, if even if you are not, believe me, it might be interesting. Yeah, and uh, you,
1: you're actually looking
2: f- uh, into that from those perspectives. Yeah,
1: I sympathize with Roman on this a lot because I actually clerked at the tax court in Canada. Before, like when I was in law school, I really wanted to be a tax lawyer. I loved tax law, and uh, and so I still have this kind of passion for it and this interest in it in the background, but. Uh, I very quickly realized that I'm not enough of a deal person to actually practice it. So,
0: so you've got the appreciation of the tax angle. For yeah, yeah,
1: thing. I really sympathize with uh, with you know someone who's a little bit like, yeah, tax is interesting and exciting because it, it sure drives a lot in what we do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So Roman, how many how many people do you have in your in-house team? And how is that split across the offices? Because Wargaming is what, about 5,000 people and probably something like 20 offices, 18 offices or... Are-
2: i don't know how pandemic works in respect of hiring definitely it's much harder right now to you know onboard new people uh with the closed doors and uh yeah i mean like we are more than uh, five thousand we are something around five thousand one hundred people company yeah and uh, if you're speaking about legal i would say we are um we have 22 uh lawyers in our organization and uh, we have more than 20 offices across the globe. Yeah, and mostly we are sitting in two offices. I mean, if you look in illegal Inward Gaming, we have a global organization, with the people who who deal with the a councils, who deal with worldwide matters, like a global transaction with the...
0: You've got the Cyprus. I mean, you mean the the Cyprus headquarters, in
2: you so, uh, it's a Cyprus headquarters and a Prague office. Yeah, we are uh, mainly uh, located in those two locations, and uh, one remote person, and we are actually working based on those two locations here. What about Asia? Do, do, do you have anyone in house in Asia? Yes, we do. We we have one pan regional uh, council who who is located in a, who sits in a Seoul office. Yeah, uh, and uh, he supports actually all APAC offices and also. Apex centric activities. Let's say if you do something with an Santo Bandai in Japan, and that is to go person. He's a to-go person, yeah, and he supports that transaction. Yeah, that's yeah, Sunki, whom you know from a uh, from a summit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's attended a few times.
0: Yeah, okay. So he's based in Korea he's looking after your operations in the Asian region, and you've got 22 people, and that's more or less what CD has, I think the last time we compared. Maybe they have a bit less, but they're a public company. But the headcount is a bit smaller than you. I mean, a few times smaller. So
2: okay. So how do you how do you decide that this is enough? Actually, you you use metrics. Yeah, uh, we tried to benchmark us. And Summit actually, uh, thanks to you efforts, uh, Summit helped us a lot. Speaking with the people, every time we met with uh, a young Peter, he's asking how big you are right now, what is your hand count, and he's actually you know, like saying, wow, you're growing. And it's fire <laughs>
0: but, but it works. Yeah. But I mean, it works both ways. And then, then you meet uh, someone from Valve and they suddenly have what, five yeah. new lawyers? Uh, we have to talk to him directly, but he seems to have a lot more new. I,
2: I hope that you will continue that podcast and we'll speak with on peter and he will share how he's going with the hiring. Yeah, uh, But actually, yeah, we, uh, at the first time we met, for example, with the Supercell, You asked them uh, actually general headcount, yeah, total headcount of the company and uh, how many lawyers you have. And uh, also, I- I- if the company is private, uh, you can benchmark private versus private. Yeah, It might be a bit different private Versus public, because for example, CD project is public here, and as far as we know from uh, uh, from our actually speaking with the C project.
0: Yeah, they've got obligations in front of the market, they have a lot of like operations related to just servicing, the fact that they're a public company and they have exposure. Sure, uh, they
2: surely have... it means that they are adding people uh, into compliance or some job departments here for communicating with the market here. But actually we, we can benchmark. Uh, first you benchmark, then actually you're seeing the size of your business and complexity for your business.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you talk to, to Tencent and you realize that they've got hundreds of lawyers and then you talk to Supercell. And they've got three lawyers. And they used to have two lawyers before, uh, but the revenue of Supercell is uh, probably larger than the revenue of 4 gaming. Yep, yep. So, so how do you how do you like how do you discuss that thing? Someone says, "Hey, there's a Finnish studio that has also an office in 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 Seoul and in Tokyo and in Shanghai." And
2: they are multiple times our revenue, but they have... Actually, we're trying to find the best benchmark for you. Yeah, for example, Ubisoft benchmark works for gaming. Ubisoft has multiple different businesses, yeah. PC business, console business, mobile business, and they operate, yeah. They are multiple offices. You benchmark, you against uh, Ubisoft. If you are speaking with a uh, much simpler operations, I, I don't want to harm anyone, but for example, Supercell, yeah. Uh, they just like a mobile market uh, without <laughs> dealing with the PC consoles and all of that. You found out that the 300 people having three, four lawyers at that time in the past year when we met first time, you're understanding that it's 1% of headcount and you benchmark this 1% to you and you're saying, okay, yeah. the company was actually, at that time we didn't have actually 5,000, but company with actually only mobile market here having 1% of lawyers probably, uh, it might be benchmark for you. Yeah, and it, that's how it works. Definitely there is no rule okay
0: okay okay so, so so you basically find a games company that's similar to yours and then you compare your legal department with their legal department and most cases things will be more or less similar depending on complexity the scope of business and the international locations good okay all right uh and for law firms ryan how do you how do you measure like for example you changed law firms recently so now you're a part of Uh, D.L.A. Piper. D.L.A. Piper is global. That's probably, what, thousands of people?
1: Yeah, I think it's just over or just under 4,500 people uh, globally. (laughs) So, big for a law firm. So, so when you say 4,500 people, you mean lawyers or everyone? Lawyers, yeah, lawyers globally. And I'm not sure what the staff count would be. It would be much larger than that, I'm sure. But how do you,
0: like, what is the normal ratio? If you look at the hospital, you say one doctor, three nurses.
1: So if you say four and a half thousand lawyers. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I know that in Vancouver, we're fairly um, entrepreneurial, uh, like as a city. And so we tend to use less staff and resources than, say, Toronto or New York do. Um, but uh, that being s- Said in a in a big organization like DLA, like I'm still getting my head around just how to wrap my arms around this big organization. Um, it's been I've been here for just over uh, two months now, uh, two and a half months, and uh, it's it's large in ways that I hadn't appreciated when I signed. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but is this? Do you feel that this is
0: like one big company, similar to Wargaming, Gaming, that has? Uh, I don't know, the global board and the global uh, business unit that's driving everything, or it's more of a, uh, a constellation of independent offices in different cities, and each office knows best what they want to pursue. And if Vancouver wants to grow in film and television and video games, then you can do it. You don't need to convince anyone in Shanghai.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, I mean, to me, it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's certainly a very unified um, vision and approach, and... There is, you know, a global board and there's, you know, global um, coordination, but uh, DLA does seem to leave the, you know, kind of regional things to the regional managing partners. And so there's a lot of uh, of local autonomy as well. And so, uh, you know, the, the example classically being actually my group joining the Vancouver office um, was a it was a global initiative to ramp up the startups, emerging companies and technology group. Um, but uh, Canada you know, wanted to pursue this approach of, of bringing me and my team over. And and I don't think they had to check with anyone. I think they just knew that it was consistent with the global approach. So um, there's a global vision, a global approach. There's, you know, kind of global coordination and then local execution uh, in the way that makes sense in the local market. I find it works very well. Um, it's it's about as connected as, as a typical national Canadian law firm is, uh, as far as I've seen so far. Um, So, you know, we're all, you know, the partners in the Canadian office, at least, are are very active with each other and talking all the time. And then there's a group of them that talk with the U.S. lawyers and they talk with the European lawyers and talk with the Asian Pacific lawyers. It all filters down pretty well.
0: Okay. And and if you look at all this uh, scope, where do the video games uh, fit in? Like, is this a part of technology group or telecommunications or entertainment? How do you guys structure video games?
1: Yeah, I think, it again, it depends on the market. You know, if you're in Los Angeles, it's certainly part of the uh, entertainment group. Uh, if you're in Canada, it's part of the technology group. And I've always found that one of the most interesting things as, uh, you know, I was a little I was originally when I was more junior, a little bit of a pretender to be a video game lawyer. And then, you know, as I actually built the practice, I noticed a big difference in the United States. Uh, the uh, the video game bar tends to be the entertainment lawyer types, and they tend to be you know connected to you know the Hollywood industry or or movie or filmmaking or TV and things like that. Whereas in Canada, the video game work that came to law firms tended to go to the technology lawyers, and so the bars are very different. Uh, and uh, and so in in Canada, it sits definitely in the bank, in the uh, technology side, uh, but we do have entertainment folks that it crosses over with.
0: Okay, okay. So Roman, when you work with law firms outside law firms, do you do you see any benefits or disadvantages of working with a large law firm? Like does it rule into your decision making or you're just looking at the specific people and
2: wherever they currently work this is the best? I think that actually, you know, working with a big international law firms has its its benefits, you know. Uh, if you're having some regional or pan-regional transaction. Yeah, you need to structure that between different jurisdictions. Uh, Probably that's one reason to go to at least pan-regional law firm or maybe global law firm. Yeah, because you cover actually one transaction with uh, multiple offices uh, of that firm. Yeah, and uh, it's a big advantage, actually, but uh, we don't have a preference, we usually uh, even work with uh, local law firms. If we know that law firm is very strongly recommended by uh, peers from the industry, we might choose that law firm.
0: Okay, so 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 if you look at Canada, for example, you're not going to say, oh, you know, we, we like to work with uh, this law firm, do they have an office in Canada? Oh, they do? Okay. Hey, guys. Uh, but you're going to talk to the other games companies and, you know, maybe call Rafael or Tobias or someone else and say, hey, you know, Canon, can you recommend someone in Canada? Is this the way you go? Yeah,
2: it, uh, it seems actually very close to us. Yeah, We are flexible. Let's say I know organizations which actually rely on a global providers. So they use, for example, DLA Piper Advising Globally and for them it's a big thing to change advisor even in a small country, let's say. Uh, but we are indoor gaming we are pretty flexible we're looking for actually uh, the best and the most fitable uh, fitting advice let's say yeah if so for someone each project has...
0: yeah so for each project you're looking for the expertise that you need and then based on that you go when you talk to other games companies do you more appreciate the positive recommendations or the negative in the sense that you know people get excited about working with someone and maybe the deal wasn't too complicated. Maybe the deal was pretty easy and someone goes and says, hey, these guys are awesome, they're totally great. But the deal was really pretty simple. So there's one situation. The other situation would be that someone would have a complicated matter and they would come back to you and say, hey, never work with these guys. We worked with them and that was not good. So which, which which sort of recommendations do you prefer?
2: I think for me, positive works better. Uh, but actually having a positive uh, feedback, yeah. Uh, I mean, hearing the positive feedback, uh, usually I'm trying to understand uh, whether situations matching each other, yeah. Whether what was the deal, what was the situation, yeah. And whether it's a similar matter, similar complexity and all of that, yeah. in I would say that, yeah, positive, uh, uh, positive feedback on the law firms, helps better you're trying to work with the guys recommended yeah negative feedback yeah probably you don't uh, you don't work with the negative feedback you just hear that and you're trying to avoid and you don't know whether it's true or not
0: what what we discussed i don't know if you if you remember uh there was a discussion following last year's summit where uh, uh someone came up with the idea of saying hey let's have a list of recommended video games lawyers so we would all list law firms that we did work with and that which we enjoyed so you could open uh, let's say portugal and you'll see two two law firms listed uh, based on the recommendations of uh, global game companies and we couldn't do anything like that because we would name a law firm and someone some some gc would say oh they're great and the other gc would say oh they're horrible they're like screwed up this project never 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 So we realized that the same law firm can give great experience to one games company and bad experience to the other. And it was like, I was a bit disappointing because it means that you cannot really be objective in saying this law firm is great or even this lawyer is great. most very very often you run into issues where uh, someone loves them and someone hates them and,
2: and it's pretty hard to navigate we we all human beings, you know, and uh, it works differently uh, with different people. I mean, uh, someone may love you, someone may actually don't understand you, and it's it's how it works, but generally uh, positive feedback in my history in inward gaming. Uh, I mean, we got some experience, Supercell, Valve, uh, Epic, uh, sharing positive views and positive feedbacks. And when we decided to use this, uh, those law firms, yeah, uh, in most of the cases it worked out
0: okay so ryan here's a question for you do you like wh- what is the uh, how do how do new clients new game studios games companies come to you is it is it a mix of other game studios recommend you or is it a case of lawyers who were with you on the deal recommend you because they felt that you've been professional on this deal is it is it a mix is there
1: more of one or the other yeah it's 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 definitely a mix. I mean, um, I'm so, first of all, really interested to listen to that conversation you just had because I think underlying it is just this idea that, you know, um, you can be a good lawyer or a bad lawyer technically, or you can have a great personality or whatever. But um, if someone comes to you with an expectation and you don't draw out what that expectation is, and as a result, you miss that expectation, it can be a good or a bad experience. And I look back on my career and the, the times where I haven't had, you know, what I would consider the ideal client relationship or the times where I've had a fantastic relationship. And it's really about when you're speaking on the same level. Um, And so uh, what I try to do early on is is build rapport so that um, so that we can so that I can find out what those expectations are and so that people feel comfortable telling me when I'm missing an expectation. And uh, lawyers tend to not be particularly (laughs) resilient psychologically. Um, You know, they they uh, very A type people who, you know, were rushed to succeed and wanted to be the top of the class and all that sort of stuff as a general group of people, at least at least in North America. And I'm, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's true globally, but um, the um, what I find is that uh, you know just having that rapport connection makes the biggest difference. So um, in the video game industry, I didn't really start getting work until I went out there and started meeting people uh, and uh, and talking to people and getting to know them a little bit. And once people figure out, I think what I'm about, that's where. Uh, I start to really pick up on the referrals. So it comes from other lawyers. You know, it comes from lawyers, you know, even at firms within Canada when they're conflicted or lawyers that I've worked with on deals. Um, I've met a lawyer, you know, at a conference in the States and they just hear the word Canada and they go, well, I don't know anything about Canada, but you should really talk to Ryan all the way to, oh, hey, we worked on this exact deal before. Let me refer you to someone who has something similar going on. So it's it's definitely a person who refers me, but I, I think it's all about that kind of personal connection.
0: So here's a question for you, like what I what I'm seeing happening at the summit is that for a lot of people, it's very uh, comfortable and they feel very confident in uh, relying on the same contacts in different countries. So, you you know, we we know a few law firms in China and and uh, why would I go and look for a different law firm in China when I already know these guys and these guys are great and and I know them as, as real people and and i can already start like you know send them an email i don't have to do an introduction and they will uh they will sort of already get me from from the first one but the question is this do you feel any pressure or how much pressure do you feel from uh working on something let's say for wargaming and knowing that if if this is screwed then probably roman will you know have a beer with canon and epic next time <laughs> and he'll say hey man you know what canada canada well that 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 guy oh man yeah because i think that maybe this is also beneficial to the clients that they come to you through other game studios and they sort of hold you responsible also in front of all those people who recommended you and they feel that you will perform not only uh, because you know you want to do a good job for them, but also since it's a closed community, there's the reputation thing. And
1: so yeah, no, i I think that's that's exactly right. And uh, you know the reality is as a as a professional, and you know, particularly as a as a partner now at a global law firm, I do feel some weight of making sure that I'm you know upholding the reputation and uh, and quality of of the DLA Piper brand. you know, like if 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 someone has a bad experience with me or my team, uh in canada that may have ripple effects for, for you know uh julio in in italy or something like that and and i would never want that to happen and so you do kind of carry that around a bit but um ag- again i find the way to manage that and to not have that way heaven to connect with level that i'm adding that up uh, like i find that those little things where People, people realize that there's a human being behind this, um, you know, as as kind of Roman was, was alluding to, uh, we're all human. And if you can get to that and, and make it less about, you know, um, less about uh, the technical, you know, I hired a DLA Piper lawyer as opposed to I hired Ryan Black, it actually makes... Uh, it makes it a little bit easier to manage. Uh, now, that being said, on, on a large transaction, you don't want to be wasting time with a lot of chit chat, you want to be getting the deal done. So you have to mold to the situation. Um, and I find it is it is really about that expectation management.
0: All right, so so the last, the last couple of issues before we uh, tune out. Yeah, first issue is, how much does love for video games figure in your professional life? Uh, there are companies, or they used to be companies, that said you have to play your game, and they would check on your account, they would ask your login details, your in-game name, before they would do an interview with you. And then they would look at your in-game uh, stats and say, oh, you know, uh, there's one company in particular, wow. in my game in particular, that used to do that. And um, on the, uh, yeah. So the uh, people who were interviewed actually hired uh, teenagers who would uh, beef up their account uh, a couple of months before uh, applying for the job interview. So that was, I mean, that was a strange situation. And the other situation is that when you talk to a lawyer and the lawyer says, ah, you know, whatever video games, uh, the uh, the uh, medical profession or the uh, sports rights or whatever, it's even more complicated. So you guys are still pretty small. You don't really have massive M&A transactions happening or just have it, but once in a while. So, ah, you know, why should I care about video games? I'm a great lawyer. I can do a great transaction for you. I don't really have to play, uh, and so on. So, and then somewhere in the middle, you have some sort of, I don't know, respect for that. So, so for you and Roman, for you, do you like? How, how do you? What, what's your position on whether or not the people who work with you in the legal team have to? Uh, you know, wh- what should be their relationship to video games? Can they not care about them at all,
2: or? to say that you know sharing the passion is important yeah and uh, having the same view uh on video games helps definitely yeah but actually we appreciate that we are from admin world yeah for example our finance teams yeah we appreciate that they they came from different reality yeah uh when we're speaking with about lawyers uh yeah all, uh, you've got
0: you've get, you've got more 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 female than male. Is, right what's your what's your female to
2: male ratio within uh, the Re- Re- sure, uh, I'm able to say you how many males we have we have only uh eight actually my uh, males in our team yeah we actually two-thirds of all okay. staff is actually female staff here and it's very interesting what I find yeah it's actually when you ask you female colleague about actually video games uh, actually and all of that and uh, at the first usually people tend to you know refuse saying that I don't play video games I don't know video games much yeah but then actually while speaking you realize that actually your colleague is playing Candy Crush but your colleague is not in this uh, doesn't that uh, 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 your colleague doesn't actually treat that yeah. as a video game as a serious video game for example yeah and then you start explaining explain the whole concept behind candy crush that it's a very serious it's a big genre and all of that and that's the trick how you get actually people into video games and i would say that mostly all our lawyers actually play or see games or understand games or we are speaking about games with them uh, and uh, that actually sharing of passion or sharing the view on video games helps a lot because actually dealing with a person who doesn't know video games but actually refusing to get actually known uh, knowledge about video games uh, I, I think that's uh, what makes uh, cooperation difficult
0: okay so you you see, you basically say you have to have the patient you have to have the passion you have to have the respect for video games video games come in all packages and all different formats platforms it doesn't matter where you play or what you play but you have to be curious to dive into this and to understand all that information that you need to understand before you can uh, be a good lawyer and and for you ryan like do you find a law firms that people Uh, generally are aware of video games or is it still uh, something that's not very uh, common?
1: It's filtering. Um, I'd say it's more common now than you know 10 years ago but actually my um, my colleague now at DLA Piper uh, Chris Bennett um, back in 2009 or 2008 or something he actually opened uh, the predecessor firm uh, of DLA Canada is, is called Davis. He opened a Davis office in Second Life in 2009 <laughs> uh and it was actually one of the things that inspired me and i and you can imagine it it you know there was some interesting things that went down as a result of that but um it was uh it was actually one of the things that inspired me that you could be like a quote-unquote video game lawyer and so it's it's in some ways a little bit poetic that i ended up at, at his firm at, at dla but um so so there have been lawyers who have recognized it as an industry and recognized it as something that that um that Has serious legal needs and serious business as well, Um, but I still have to say, you know, when I when I do a talk about video game law, uh, say to a a continuing legal education course, or I speak at a general conference, and I I usually drop a few video game references. It's you know you still do see a little bit of the um, I don't want I don't want to quite call it eye rolling, but something close to eye rolling about it, Um, in the sense that there is still a sense, at least in North America. Uh, in the business community, that games are for kids, and what we're seeing is that the markets and the young lawyers are really starting to realize that that's not the case. So there's been some very big public transactions recently in Canada, uh, and so um, I've, I think it's been, you know, very. It's been a, it's been a growth industry, um, but uh, I'm very glad to be in an industry where I can actually be passionate about the thing that I that I practice in. I think it makes a massive difference uh, when you actually care about. Uh, the thing that you're giving legal advice about, because uh, it's not just some esoteric uh, thing. It, it, you know, I I understand what it means to you know uh, not hit your uh, your beta test date or to not have QA available or whatever. Like uh, it makes a big um I think it makes a big difference in how I can deliver the legal stuff. And I think
0: it also makes a big difference in how much information you can process and how much knowledge you can just sort of seep in from, from your everyday activity, because yeah. you don't really need to do research. You love it, so you know a lot about it. You keep following the news, you've got the mind map for all of those things. And because of that, because of your fashion, you, you don't really... You know uh, get bored reading about some news or you're really interested in the deals or in the studios and when people meet you they feel that and once they feel that then they feel that they can speak the same language with you as opposed to uh you know it's basically you're skiing and you're going to a doctor and the doctor doesn't ski and and you're trying to explain and the doctor is like yeah you know why would you use two sticks to go downhill um (laughs) or or a doctor will say oh yeah yeah man yeah sure i understand you yeah well let's get your knees
1: yeah well and, and even just understanding the culture right so video games has this interesting kind of sharing culture slash proprietary culture where i find that everyone's very collaborative even though they have you know obviously very important ip and very protective of those things as an industry the the outward image at least or the or the presentation of it is very collaborative and and you know even understanding how software engineers think about open source software makes a big difference right like it's this idea that there is a state of the industry that should be represented and bettered, uh, and if you don't, if you're not part of it, like if you're in the mining industry, no one out there is thinking about making the mining industry better, or think you know making the maritime industry better, or anything like that. Um, but in software, you know, software engineers really care about advancing the state of the art of uh, of, of software development, and so understanding that a little bit actually makes it a bit of difference because you understand the motivations behind why some people are doing things and why. And, and why it might not make sense to the to another business person.
0: Sure, sure. So, so you basically understand the people better, and then that allows you to understand better the deal that they work on, or the reason for that deal to happen in the first place. And then, uh, yeah, okay, cool, great. Well, that that I mean, uh, the uh, the only secret I have is I just don't understand why there's not enough people, uh, junior people, looking to uh, get hired in the games industry because every Every couple of weeks, there's a games company in my feed looking for uh, lawyers. And if you talk to to a larger company that's coming to Summit, then sometimes it takes them six months, nine months to find a person. Uh, At the same time, there should be many more young people who are uh, passionate about video games and who study at law schools. And every time we do the legal challenge, we get about 20 teams, so that gives you about 60 people uh from maybe 10 countries uh so there is i mean sure there's 60 people and they all would like to uh sort of get closer to the games industry but not 600 or or thousand. great. Right. <laughs> and my question is always like wh- why 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 in general lost Law school students are not that much into into video games, and and, and I, I still cannot figure it out. And Raman, when you when you're hiring, is it easy? I know you hired um, one of the finalists at the legal challenge uh, from a couple of years back. her uh, other teammate is now working in house at Playrix, and one more uh, finalist. I, I, I know that in uh, about five weeks he's starting working at a law firm that uh, is focused on video games. So I can see the people who joined Legal Challenge—they're finding jobs,
2: uh, meaningful jobs in the video games. Business. But what is your experience with
0: hiring? Is it easier if, if more gaming courts of hire uh, junior? I would
2: say that it's getting better, and uh, right now it's not like eight months. Yeah, it's probably reasonable between like a five six months to find a reasonable person not only for junior uh, it's harder actually to find uh, let's say uh, mid-level counsel yeah and uh, experienced person because you're looking for some particular set of expertise and track record yeah and you're competing for such people for young kids is getting better um, but actually speed how it how it changes i would say. M- might be better, and uh, we all actually, uh, by our efforts, we are helping that. Yeah, with the legal challenge, with actually uh, different courses, which uh, I know that CD Project has uh, uh, some educational efforts in a, in a workshop. We do I think it's with uh, 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 Baker McKenzie, I think it was. Yeah, it's a CD Projekt Baker McKenzie workshop. Yeah, uh, we are doing the same efforts in one Russian university, High School of Economics. Yeah, I, I, I know, and actually, Ryan mentioned uh, some. Educational uh, courses in Canada and all of that. We, we all contribute to that. Yeah I, I, I see that actually more people uh, starting to more young people starting to get interested to get hired as a legal professional as a young legal professional in directly into video games uh, And you and you're balancing you're balancing between actually what's 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 the hardest thing like? What's the most
0: difficult thing to find for you in
2: in, in the people that you're looking to hire? I would say if you hire someone directly from a law school yeah you're just like uh you you understand that you're hiring someone who are probably liking that experience of law firm let's say yeah because law firm actually in in that chain law firm also law firms also help yeah they give a lot of education they give a lot of you know framework uh to young professionals yeah and they uh the finalist whom we hired from a legal challenge she actually went through law firm yeah she got that knowledge from them
0: so You'd like to poach from 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 DLA Piper? Uh, it's,
2: it's actually a mixture. It's a balance. Yeah. Sometimes you're hiring directly from law school because you know that that person is going to be a very good lawyer. Yeah. And sometimes you're looking for a young young lawyer with a, some uh, some sort of background in a uh, law firm just to have just to uh, to be sure that the, uh, that person knows how to structure legal advice, how to search and all of that.
0: Okay, so, so before we wrap, what's your take on the current situation for the video games industry? Like, if you, if you work on video games right now, probably your job is secure, the playtime goes up, uh, Steam just set a new record, 20 million people playing online at the same time. Uh, I'm hearing from a lot of free-to-play companies that their numbers are up significantly, so you're sitting at home, what do you do? You watch Netflix, you play video games, uh, maybe you read some books, but that seems like a very anti-fragile industry, you know. The situation is difficult with the quarantine, but the revenue is up. Uh, so does that, does that, you think that the video games industry will use that to get stronger and to be more appealing or it doesn't really happen, it's not gonna happen? And, uh you know, business as usual next year. Sorry, was that for me or for Roman? <laughs> I apologize. It's for both of you. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't specify. But you guys come from different countries. So so yeah. Roman Roman coming out of Cyprus, uh, you know, probably against industry is not really a big thing for Cyprus. Uh, there's a few companies. It's getting bigger, really it's getting bigger.
2: <laughs> uh, it, it, the, the, that's interesting. Yeah, I, 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 uh, Ryan, you go first. here.
1: Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, it's, you know, obviously uh, the current situation, Certainly, you know, I I heard something like Steam has doubled their traffic or something like that, like something insane um, when they were already the number one uh, place. So obviously people are at home, they're going to be playing more games. So theoretically, there's some revenue down the road, but there's also, you know, a lot more diversification in that revenue than there has been in the past. And I know like right now, for example, it's very difficult in Canada, which is primarily a dev shop. So Canada does have a lot of studios where creative content is made and lots of indies, a vi- very vibrant indie scene. But for the larger studios, Canada tends to be a place where um, they, uh, you know, have uh, developers and uh, where they immigrate people through our fairly, you know, open immigration system, uh, you know, they immigrate people in to, to, to add capacity and, and things like that. And so well, I would say the industry as a whole uh, should be able to see an upshot uh, in this very dark cloud. There should be some silver lining in there. The reality, though, is is that it's very difficult for employers right now to uh, maintain their workforce in a kind of productive way and uh, still everything's up in the air. And so I'd say there's a lot of uncertainty. And certainly if you're... If you're in a position where say you're relying on the normal functioning of business uh, say you've got a release coming up soon or um, you need to hire a bunch of QA testers or whatever it is things are going to be delayed now and um, and so uh, it's all about having you know a stable runway or a a diverse income source right now until the um, until things normalize a bit so I'd say it's there's a bit of a mix right now in terms of up and down but certainly Canada and particularly vancouver uh is very entrepreneurial there's loads of indie studios here there's something there's 200 plus uh vr and ar companies just in british columbia alone and so um it's you know there's a lot of people trying to do stuff out there and um so i just have to believe that notwithstanding the uh the current odd situation uh that that there will be some real winners and unfortunately some losers but uh, it'll be it'll be impactful i think the video game scene will be very impactful um, during this time of crisis because uh, people need entertainment more than ever before i think
0: it seems like the the smaller studios are doing fine because their burn rate is low and the uh, if they're successful then the revenue covers a few years of production and they more they never realize that they've got this freedom to work from home. They don't have anyone to respond to and they can just do what they do the best. And at large companies like Wargaming, it's also fairly easy. You've got your backbone, you've got your HR, you've got your you know different operational uh, teams. And if you run in trouble, there's lots of people who will help you. And as long as you're valuable to the company and you can contribute in a meaningful way, in the middle, not so much, because sometimes you, you know, how can you set up a new studio right now? <laughs> just doing a
2: Zoom interview and hoping that the guy works out and uh. just uh, uh, just to echo what Ryan said. Yeah, uh, it might uh, look very easy for admin stuff. Yeah, like uh, for lawyers, finance, HR working remotely. Yeah, but today morning I spoke with our GM of Development Studio. It's not so easy to establish remote working for Development Studio, especially in such big organizations like we gaming, you know, because you have IT security. You have actually very heavy environments, and there, you know, like, and your software is heavy. Yeah, just like uh, out of speaking with our GM I know that actually it took 24 hours for 3D artists actually to download uh, to download actually all models at home. Yeah, and it definitely will lead us to some delays. Yeah, but actually on the other side, tm yeah, we appreciate that actually people uh, need some entertainment, and they tend to either. Play with the family's tabletop games, yeah, and or video games, yeah. It's probably two industries which actually might get something out of that crisis, let's say. Uh, but at the same time, we see that it's uh, very challenging for any development environment to set up remote, uh, remote development pipelines and all of that, and, and continue actually deliver.
0: Yeah, but but I mean, once you've set up, you're you're good. So so the studios that'll be good in deploying those. Uh, solutions they'll be able to transition faster and uh, catch up with the market and be more productive whereas some people or some companies will not be able to do that you know maybe they have some problems with the company culture maybe they have some disagreements internally yeah. and these disagreements will just flare up in the current environment and then you'll see the studio crack part and then uh, someone will pick up one piece and someone will pick up the other you know, at least uh, if you if you work on a video game right now, you know that it's not going to be canceled. It's not airlines coming out. It's not
2: airlines companies for sure. We are, we are lucky not working in the, that industry. Yeah, the, uh, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Tourism, marketing, you know, PR. I got a friend who's making ice cream. Uh, he's now figure out how to deliver <laughs> contactless ice cream here around the city uh we spoke with the uh, bakery that was baking cookies for the summit and again they had to close down because there's no traffic no customers there's a very big uncertainty what was going to happen so uh think about all the musicians who are touring and making money through tours and selling tickets and then uh, let's say think back to the games industry you, you know you're gonna know, ship the project you, you know you know you know you know you're gonna know, you know, you know, produce lots of new content and there's people uh waiting for that content In terms of loyalty to the industry, probably going to strengthen it once we come through the whole thing. All right, guys. So um, thanks a lot for being here for this experimental edition. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, then the links to to the profiles of uh, Ryan and Roman are in the description. So if you want to talk about Vancouver in Canada with Ryan, then just uh, go to him and send him a message and same for Roman. And if you'd like to get a job in the video games industry as a lawyer, then probably hit both of them and see uh, whichever country is closer to you. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, sure. And then next, next week, we'll see uh, Felix from Osram Clark in Germany and Brian from Kimminshang in Korea, the Fantastic. current leader in combating the whole situation. Thanks
1: a lot, guys. Thank you, guys. Super, thanks.